This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odours and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health their food. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that by just adding a few special superfoods to a dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do this same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I think it's fantastic that more and more people these days are becoming conscious of the food they eat, but shouldn't we be taking the same care for our pets? The health of our dogs means so much, so no wonder owners are posting their glowing reviews of Badlands dog food and how it has improved the energy and coat of their beloved dogs. But don't take it from me. Go to badlandsfood.com forward slash frightful and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com forward slash frightful. A few years back, I met and interviewed an actor called John Jarrett. He's been in many films and TV shows, but he's particularly iconic for playing the character of Mick Taylor, an unhinged serial killer who tortures and murders backpackers in the Australian outback. He's quite a character, and we had a real laugh discussing his role on that show before a packed audience And to prepare for that interview, I specifically watched the Wolf Creek films and the Wolf Creek TV show. And while I was gripped by those films, what really struck me afterwards, I think, was the location in which they take place. The Australian Outback, which is an absolutely vast area spanning 5.6 million kilometers squared. That covers about 70% of the continent of Australia. I'll put it this way. In comparison, the outback would cover more than half of the USA and Europe. The indigenous people of this country, the Aborigines, have lived in the outback for 50,000 years at least. But the European immigrants tended to live in the more fertile areas on Australia's coast. So just take a quick glimpse of an Australian map and you'll see the greener edges, but this huge yellow centre, which is mostly flat, covered with soil that is highly infertile, insanely hot in the daytime, bitingly cold at night, filled with kangaroos and dingoes, that's Australian wild dogs, all manner of insects, but barely any people. Less than 5% of the Australian population actually live in the outback. And despite the outback being a beautiful, astonishing place, there is an inherent sense of threat in that wilderness. To cross it is to become far more vulnerable than perhaps we have ever been before. Imagine it. You get into your car now and start to drive through the towns or maybe even through a rural area. You might keep your eye on the petrol gauge, but running out of petrol isn't particularly terrifying because 
So many of us live within a few miles of a petrol or charging station. They're scattered across the map, so many choices for the rest of us. So imagine setting off on a car journey where there might not be a petrol station for hundreds of miles. And once that car starts to shudder and choke to a stop, the gravity of the environment starts to kick in. So despite its beauty and fascination for us, the outback also brings with it a primal fear. None of us want to feel lost and alone. Yet this is a place that can provide that exact experience. If you get lost out there, your life expectancy is going to plummet, not just days. If it's summer, we're talking hours. Made worse, of course, with the added thought that you might not be alone out there. Australia is, after all, home to some of the deadliest animals on the planet, like spiders and snakes. But that's not even to mention the bone-shaking shock of facing a stranger out there in the wilderness. Or even a criminal. And if you do run into someone like Mick Taylor, well, nobody's going to hear you scream. Well, tonight, we're going to hear some screams as we explore a selection of scary true stories that took place in this remote part of the world, from the paranormal to animal attacks to murder. I'm Peter Laws, and you and I are about to head out into the middle of nowhere for scary true stories from the Australian outback. Sometimes the sense of dread that you might find in a place like the Outback comes from discovering a thing that might be strange if you found it in the normal, suburban world, and yet it causes a deeper sense of unease to find it alone in the bush. Like someone called Axialage, who was searching for some missing cattle in the scrub when she lost track of where she was. She found herself alone. She was trying to find her way back, so she stumbled into a clearing where she saw something odd standing in the center. It looked like a person, she said, and yet it didn't move. She moved closer to find what looked like a scarecrow out there in the middle of nowhere. And it was built out of old bits of fence and rusting iron poles and dry and crumbling wood, all tied together with barbed wire. But the closer she looked, she saw animal bones that had been tied to this figure, like a pig's skull on its head, only with the added jawbone of a cow. And when she examined it closer, she realized that the figure had three sets of kangaroo's arms sticking out of it like a grotesque marionette. (gasps) Worried about who on earth could have made this, she looked around at the vast expanse and ran. Eventually, she found others in her search party, and while she called them to come back to search for this scarecrow she had found, it was nowhere to be seen. Or another man who went searching for some missing tourists in the outback once. He drove down the vast, lonely roads, looking for signs of a broken-down car or maybe a missing tourist passed out by the highway. But he didn't find anything like that. What he did find, however, gave him nightmares. There are endless, dry trees and shrubs on the outback roads. And just as it was getting dark and he was ready to call it a night, his headlights picked up something dangling from the trees. Confused, he pulled over and got out to find unexpected things twisting around the branches. Human hair. Blonde human hair. 
As he looked around, he noticed that this blonde hair was strewn on about 12 trees in that spot. He could also see what he suspected was either red dirt or blood splashed across the strands. One woman called Lost in Oz 84 was camping alone in Queensland. It was night time and she and her dog were looking around an old cattle station just pooching about, just west of Julia Creek. Once she decided this seemed like a good place to settle, she set about making a campfire and sat there with the dog, looking up at the stars and the open blackness that stretched all around her. She said she could see for miles. It was around midnight when she suddenly was startled by her dog. He had been lying by the fire when something made him spring up. He looked out into the darkness and growled. She'd spent plenty of time out here in the outback, so she knew that wildlife were often around, so she figured the dog must have noticed a kangaroo hopping by, perhaps. But just as she was telling the dog to calm down, she gasped. Out in the distant darkness, she saw a tiny flash of light. Someone had just struck a match. She quickly grabbed her torch and shone it across the landscape, but saw nothing. She waited for half an hour, her eyes trained on the surrounding blackness, and then she gathered herself, deciding all was well. Maybe she was seeing things, or perhaps it was just another traveler. So she settled down with the dog to sleep. But as she tried to drift off, something wafted across her face. Her eyes flicked open, and then she could smell cigarette smoke. She sat bolt upright and grabbed for her torch and rifle, knowing that someone was close. She leapt up and grabbed her stuff, rushing to her car to bundle it inside. It was just as she was doing this when she saw a match flare again. Only this time it was much, much closer than before. About 100 meters away this time. She was being watched. She leapt off into the car and managed to get away. Curious, however, she came back to the same spot the next day, where she indeed did find cigarettes scattered across the ground, not hers. But as much as she looked for them, she found no footprints. One man told a rather startling and disturbing story. His name was Arsium, and he shared this on Reddit, a frightening experience that he'd had when he and his girlfriend were driving on a remote stretch of the Barrier Highway in South Australia. He made a silly mistake of charging his little remote control car off his main car battery. It sapped more of the energy than he expected, finding themselves in a broken down car in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by this intensely inhospitable terrain. They were trying to figure out what to do next when a huge truck came trundling by and stopped. And out of it came a man. Asian was worried and asked the stranger where the nearest town was, but the man just shook his head and said, come to my place, I'll, I'll get the missus to do you some grub. He also offered him a jump start, which actually worked and got the engine running again. Now both he and his girlfriend felt very uncomfortable. They weren't really sure, however, what other option they had. It was late, they had a long way to go. What if the battery failed again? But more to the point, they were in kangaroo country. And this car was not suitable to withstand ruse, so they said yes to this stranger. The man took this couple back to his house, and when the wife came to meet them, 
She was really nice, and the couple found themselves starting to relax. Maybe this was going to work out. The fella opened up some beers, and they all sat watching a country music station on TV. But the more beers that this man had, the more aggressive he began to act. At one point, he started shouting at the TV, saying, Play some Shania Twat! I want Shania Twat! Which, of course, meant Shania Twain, the country singer. This man seemed to get a kick out of twisting words. But he kept getting riled up over this music, and so his wife told him to calm down, which is where it all turned horrible. This man looked at his wife furious and just punched her square in the face in front of this young couple. The wife, devastated, sprang off the sofa and rushed into the bedroom, but this man followed after her, and the couple said they sat there hearing him yelling and beating her in the other room. The couple were in shock, not knowing what to do. It's not like they could call for a neighbor to come in and help. And so Asim shouted out, saying that this man should come back out and maybe they could smoke a joint together. Perhaps that would calm him down. This was a bad move. The man did come out and they smoked together, but rather than relax him, the joint just made him worse. And he kept yelling at his wife in front of the couple and pushing her and shoving her around the room. And when Arsam asked him to stop doing that, the man started yelling at him. And then he went into a room. It was silent for a while. And a few tense minutes passed and the couple hoped that perhaps the man had calmed down or even better, had fallen asleep. But then the door to that room burst open and this man walked back in holding a crossbow and a bunch of bolts with razor tips and he said, I want to fucking kill something. Naturally, Arsam and his girlfriend were petrified, but they decided to go with it and suggested to set up some targets to practice on. The man agreed and went off to the shed, all while the wife was in a mess, sobbing. When the man went to get some targets from the shed, the couple realized it was their chance to escape, and so they grabbed their stuff and raced out to the car. And since he was drunk and stoned, Arsam was worried about driving, but his girlfriend didn't have a license, so he did it. It was around 4 a.m. when they sped away. And on the way, she called the police. He said they never heard back from the police and certainly never traveled to that remote part of Australia again. But they always wondered what had happened to the poor woman who was married to that man. And I share this story as a reminder of something. So many of the tales of horror in the outback seem to concern visitors passing through, people maybe from the the more populated parts of Australia finding themselves in the midst of this place for one night or a few weeks or whatever. But there are people living in these remote parts of the outback. The vast majority, I'm sure, live a full and happy life, but the thought of that woman stuck in the middle of nowhere with a man like that, well, that's pretty frightful if you ask me. Now make no mistake, every year millions of tourists and backpackers manage to safely make it across the Australian outback, so the vast majority do find it to be a memorable and remarkable experience. But that's little comfort to the families of the few who find their dream trip turning into a horrific nightmare. Peter Marco Falconio was born on the 20th of September 1972, 
And in 1996, he started a relationship with Joanne Lees. She was born in 73. The two of them really wanted to travel. And so, on the 15th of November, 2000, they embarked on an exciting and epic trip. They would leave the UK and trek across Nepal, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Cambodia, and then finally, Australia. They arrived in Sydney on January 16th, 2001, and they worked in odd jobs to build up funds. And then on the 25th of June, they started off on a road trip that would take them across the Australian outback. It was around 7.30pm on Saturday, July the 14th, 2001, when Peter and Joanne were travelling along Stewart Highway, surrounded by the Australian wilderness. They were passing a town called Barrow Creek, which is so small it has a population of about 11 people. The main feature of that town, however, is that it has a little hotel for passers-through and a roadhouse. Peter and Joanna pulled into the Barrow Creek Roadhouse to get some petrol, and then they didn't stay. They headed off on their trip to keep going. But when they got back on the road, they noticed something different from before. A white Toyota four-wheel drive with a green canopy was trekking behind them. Peter slowed down their orange VW combi van to let the vehicle pass, but it didn't. In fact, it just stayed close behind them for 13 miles. There's only one thing worse than forgetting to fill up your truck with petrol in the Australian outback and then getting lost and abandoned in the scary wilderness. It's forgetting to cancel an online digital subscription and then getting charged with it. Come on, have you done this? I certainly have. You know, like when I've signed up for some funky new streaming services or online platform and then totally forget to cancel and then boom, quicker than you can say psycho kangaroo, you're saddled with a hefty bill. Yes, 80% of people have subscriptions they've clean forgotten about. Well, have no fear because help is at hand with Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending and helps you lower your bills all in one place. And it lets you easily cancel the subs you don't want with just the press of a button. You don't have to be on long hold times or get annoying email change with customer service. Rocket Money does all the work for you. And it can even, get this, negotiate lower bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of the bill and then Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That's pretty nifty. With over 3 million users and counting, Rocket Money customers have saved an average of $720 a year. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash frightful. That's rocketmoney.com slash frightful. Rocketmoney.com slash frightful. For 13 miles. They were nervous. But things got worse when the Toyota suddenly surged forward and started to drive alongside them, filling the other side of the road. The driver began to gesture for them to stop. Joanne was adamant this did not feel right and said, just keep going, do not stop the van. But Peter, however, wasn't so sure. He thought that maybe this stranger was trying to help. And so he pulled over. It seemed at first like Peter was right. Because the man said that he'd seen sparks shooting out of the exhaust pipe of the van. So Peter and the man went to the rear of the vehicle to check. And Joanne, sitting in the front, felt uneasy about this. And so she slid into the driver's seat, just getting herself ready to drive off fast, just in case they needed to. 
She waited for the two men to examine the exhaust when something made her jump in her seat and a loud bang came from behind her. Before she could even think, this stranger then appeared at the window and was pointing a silver gun at her face. He managed to get into the van and grabbed her wrists, tying them behind her back with black cable ties. And he tried to tape her mouth and tie her feet, but she was kicking and screaming way too much, so he stopped trying. They were so far away from anyone else who would hear anyway. Then the man yanked her out of the van and dragged her into his vehicle, which had a brown dog sitting in it. And he left her there while he stepped out to do something. Later, it was learned that he was disposing of Peter's body, who he had shot moments before. While this was happening, Joanne managed to get out of the van and she ran out into the bush, having no idea where to go. And she was running and hiding, terrified of not only what had happened to her boyfriend just before, but what might soon happen to her. She was sure she was about to get raped. The man came back to the van and found it empty and so furious, he ran into the wilderness after her. Joanne probably assumed she would not survive. But when she did, she would later talk about how horrifying and tense these moments were. You see, while she was hiding and he was out there searching for her, she said that she saw him come very near to where she was three separate times. And she was positive he was going to look and catch her. But he didn't. Exasperated with the search, he turned back and seemed to leave. And so she waited, and night fell, and she headed back out onto the road again, when she eventually saw headlights moving along the highway. Could it be help, or had he returned to look for her? She had little choice, because if she wasn't found soon, she would die out here. So she started flagging down the oncoming truck, and to her relief, it was driven by a man, a different man, called Vince Miller. He pulled over and she sobbed, telling him what had happened. He told her to get in the truck. He drove her back 13 miles to the Barrow Creek Roadhouse, where they called the police. When the police came, they questioned Vince Miller and he shared a nightmarish detail. He said that just as he'd been driving along the highway earlier, not long before he found Joanne, he had noticed a red car parked by the side of the road. And he said next to it was three men. The two on the outside looked normal, but he noticed that the one in the middle, the third man, seemed to be being held up. He thought maybe this man was drunk or unwell. But whatever the case, Vince told the police that this man, quote, looked like jelly. So Vince pulled his car over and asked these three men if they needed any help. They said they were fine and so got into the car and sped off. And Vince later said, I'm pretty sure that the bloke in the middle was Peter Falconio, which suggests that Peter could have survived the gunshot, but had been taken by these men. He also told police that just as he was picking up Joanne, he noticed the headlights of another car circling in the distance. Had the killer decided to use his car to seek Joanna out? That he refused to give up until she was found? Whatever the case, when they called Alice Springs Police at 1.30am, they didn't make it out to the roadhouse until 4.20. When they did, they and the truck driver Vince and some others went out looking for Peter Falconio. 
They reached the scene of the attack and found a pool of blood on the edge of the highway in the van, which was 80 meters away, ditched and hidden in the scrub. Considering the vast length of the highway and how few cars would have been on this road, the police should have put a roadblock on it hours earlier, but they waited for eight hours before doing that. They brought in the help of four Aboriginal trackers to look for evidence of Peter's whereabouts, but the trail was cold. This story caused something of a sensation in Australia, with news reports talking of a young woman bravely surviving a hunter-killer in the outback. And the police investigation, including CCTV footage at the gas station, led the police to a man called Bradley John Murdoch. And he was eventually arrested on suspicion on a different kidnap and assault charge. The police found high-quality traces of Murdoch's DNA on Joanne's T-shirt. He pleaded not guilty, but the jury found him guilty. And it was only after sentencing that the authorities were able to reveal that he had been previously charged and acquitted of aggravated sexual assault on a mother and daughter in South Australia years before. This case grew a little more mysterious when some eyewitnesses claimed they'd seen Peter Falconio with some other men at a petrol station a week after he was allegedly murdered. But claims that this was some sort of insurance job were ultimately dismissed especially when no insurance money was paid to Peter's family. His body was never found, despite Australia launching one of the most exhaustive investigations in its history. And today, if you go to that area in the Northern Territory, you'll see a large sculpture of a silver falcon in the outback town of Tea Tree to honour the memory of Peter Falconio. One of the most frightful stories from Outback Australia happened in August 17th, 1980, when Lindy and Michael Chamberlain were enjoying a barbecue with friends. It was nighttime and darkness had fallen. Their nine-week-old baby was asleep in the tent just next to them. But then, at one point during the barbecue, Lindy heard Azaria let out a sharp little cry from the tent. And so she went in to check on the baby and was horrified by what she saw. When a wild Australian dog, more commonly known as the dingo, stepped out of the tent and ran off into the blackness, and Lindy screamed out famously, The dingo's got my baby! Despite the couple trying to chase after the dog, it was no use. It was long gone, and so was Azaria. They reported it to the police, but after extensive searching, the body was never found. Now, to lose your baby in this way is horrific enough. Yet the nightmare of this situation would grow and grow. The authorities began to doubt Lindy's story. And after gathering evidence, they charged her with the murder of her baby. Lindy had to appear in court and she faced the prosecution's argument that Lindy had apparently left the barbecue to secretly take Azaria, her child, to the car. And it was here that they claimed that she had cut Azaria's throat in the front seat of the family car and then hidden the baby's body inside a big camera case that they had. And then to cover her crime, she returned to the barbecue and acted as normal, feeding one of her other children, her son, a can of baked beans. A little while after this, she went to the tent and raised the alarm, pretending she saw a dingo snatching the baby. The court claimed that while the search parties were out looking for the baby, Lindy was actually disposing of the body. 
The reason they claimed this was that a week after the baby went missing, her little jumpsuit was found about four kilometers from the tent that was covered in blood around the throat area. Despite evidence being heard to the contrary, for example, a witness that night, a nurse, claimed to have heard the baby cry after the time the prosecution alleged she'd been murdered. Yet the jury found Lindy guilty and she was sentenced to life imprisonment on the 29th of October, 1982. And her husband, Michael, was given an 18-month sentence as an accessory after the fact. Lindy would have continued her life in prison if it hadn't been for a chance discovery. In early 1986, a British climber called David Brett fell to his death from Ayers Rock. That's a huge rock with lots of scrub around its base. Because of these conditions, his body was not retrieved for eight days. But when searchers did find him, they realized he had landed in an area that was filled with dingo lairs. His body had missing bones. And so they searched for them, thinking the dingoes may have made off with them. And this is when they just happened to discover a little matinee jacket that had belonged to Azaria. Something Lindy had insisted the baby was wearing during the court case but was disputed. It was clear. A dingo had indeed snatched Azaria back then, just like Lindy had said and had dragged the baby all the way to Ayers Rock. This chance discovery led to Lindy Chamberlain being immediately released, and after the case was reopened, all charges against her and her husband were overturned. The couple were awarded $1.3 million in compensation for wrongful imprisonment, but that money only covered less than a third of their legal expenses. And it wasn't until December 2011... 31 years after the incident, that Azaria's death certificate was altered to finally state that her death was not murder, it wasn't unknown circumstances, but rather, quote, a result of being attacked and taken by a dingo. The case was famously depicted by Meryl Streep and Sam Neill in the 1986 movie A Cry in the Dark, and jokes about the death have appeared in Seinfeld, The Simpsons, and even the Rugrats movie. But it's a heartbreaking case, particularly when you look back and see how the media attacked Lindy at the time, saying that her tearful sobbing that people saw on camera was clearly, to everyone watching, the sign of someone, quote, overacting the part of the grieving mother. This, they insisted, was a killer pretending. It wasn't. Her sobbing was real. And who could blame her after what she'd been through? As well as these shocking and more natural incidents, the outback is also home to some weird paranormal activity too. So join me next time as we head back out into the vast expanse of the Australian wilderness to meet monsters, ghosts, strange lights and more. I'm Peter Laws and you've been listening to Scary True Stories of the Australian Outback on Frightful.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.